Well, well, hello, and how do you do? From the good people, it will see you in hell. Your favorite podcast about horror, sci-fi, and fantasy films. And once in a while, a little comedy, drama, action, and adventure. I'm Joe DeRosa. I'm Patrick Walsh. Tonight, we're going to be folks-a-sing on a, uh, a man who brought a lot of comedy to the world, veering away from horror a bit, uh, Mr. John Candy. One of our all-time favorites. That was a, uh, a Twitter suggestion and a great one. It's the 25th anniversary of his death. Um, and we'd like to celebrate the man's life. Also, a thanks, if I may, to Liz Sheldon for suggesting that we do this episode. I uh, Thank you, Liz. Appreciate it. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm lo- I look forward to, to talking about the life, the work, the breath the experience of John Candy. You say the breasts? The breath. Oh, okay. I was like, is I it a, think we is need it, fat jokes after his man's death. But. Is it breath with a D? Breath? Breath. Breath of work, yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, I have a hard time saying that word. Uh, folks, good. Joe answered the door today, Harvey Weinstein style, in a, in a loose towel. Masturbating into a bush. Shirtless with a loose towel. It was, it was alarming. I was... T- Two minutes early, and folks, I'm real glad I wasn't four minutes early, <laughs> if you catch my drift. <laughs> glad we had that two minutes for towel tying. And there was a hell of a drift coming up that towel, <laughs> if uh, you catch my meaning. Yes, and a hell of a meaning coming up the towel uh, as well. It's raining like hell. Well, we weren't supposed to record today, and then Pat somehow got out of his job early, which I've never seen happen, and... Uh, I had a little time before I go off to a show tonight where I will be singing the song Santeria. You don't practice Santeria. What do you do at karaoke or with a band? I'm with a band. My friend Brian Cook has a show called Guilty Treasures. In fact, our our dear friend Karen Kilgariff will be on the show as well tonight. Uh, if you're hearing this, don't go running over to the show. It already happened. Right. Uh, Unless you've got a DeLorean of some kind. Uh, which oh speaking of which the man who made the delorean or whatever it's called is coming out I believe john delorean is his name starring alec baldwin as john delorean yeah i guess he was a spy or something too <laughs> it might be an interesting story it's called the man who framed delorean that's what it's called okay uh i believe uh anyway uh you you do a set and then you talk about a song you love that you're kind of embarrassed that you love sure uh and then you sing the song, and I chose Santeria by Sublime. Cause I, I, I don't think there should be guilty pleasures. I think you should like what you like. But if I had to pick a couple offhand, I'd go Selena Gomez's song, Same Old Love. I, I don't know it, but <laughs> I Much get more it. embarrassing than Sublime. And I also love uh, the music of Carly Rae Jepsen, particularly the song Cut to the Feeling. Those are two uh, pop classics. And now I'm going to sing them both in full. Meep. I had to, uh, I had to look up the lyrics to Santeria because I didn't know all of them. I, I definitely know the lyrics. I thought I did, and I kind of did, but you know there were little words here and there. Yeah. I was like, "What exactly does it say?" And now I got to do this. I got to give this disclaimer speech before I sing the song because he talks about smacking a woman to the ground. Sure, uh, but I don't think he's saying it as him. I think he's. See, it was about a character, a, a guy who would do, I don't know. I'd pop, I'd pop a cap in Sancho, Sancho and yeah, slap her down. Yeah, I don't think Brad is from Sublime was popping caps in people. Sancho's a woman? Sancho is, I looked up all the words. I looked up what Santeria is. It's, a, it's an African-American religion that I think has Cuban roots. I knew, I knew Santeria. I think uh, has voodoo elements to it, sort of, like animal sacrifice and stuff. And then also a great Pusha T song from the latest album, Santeria. A Sancho is a guy who like steals your lady, I think. Okay. And a uh, Heine is a term for girlfriend. 
Well, if you're slapping down Sancho, that's no. He goes, I'm going to pop a cap in Sancho, and I'll slap her down. Oh, okay. I mean, it's ultimately worse for Sancho. He's getting murdered, right? But you know, still, you don't want to condone anything like that. So I got a whole spiel worked out to hopefully let the crowd feel okay with it uh, as I sing the song. You should say, "Hey, just be glad I'm not singing smack my bitch up." Could have been doing that because that he died. He did die, and people like had lovely tales about him like i guess he was a sweet man <laughs> same with luke perry all, all these stories come out and you're like not only is it cool that luke perry was a cool dude but it's cool that like i didn't know that because he didn't go around talking about how nice he was what do you think took perry out and king kong bundy god man it was a lousy week what do you think took perry out i mean the guy was in great shape perry had a stroke no i know too. but i mean like do you think he had a pre-existing condition do you think he uh, you know, was a heavy smoker. I mean, you look, if you look at his skin, he looked like a guy that, that lived kind of hard. He, Yeah, there was drinking or something. I mean, he to be that wrinkled, let's call it what it is, at 52 is a little weird. He was leathery. Leathery. Uh, I don't know when it happened. I, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm sad when people die, but I I'd had no real effect on me because I don't think I've ever seen Luke Perry in anything. Sure I've never have. seen an episode of 90210. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The, the movie. film, yes, fair enough. I've seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You were a big... I love Buffy the Vampire You were a big Slayer. Riverdale fan. You wrote a lot of Riverdale fan fiction. Never seen Riverdale. Uh, but I, I, I will give you that. Let me look him it, up. I'll tell you why it bummed me out. He's one of those guys that, you know, it's like it's like a, it's like like when Joni died. Of Joni and Chachi? Days. You know, you're like, that's Joni, you know, so Luke Perry. It's like, that's Luke Perry. So it bummed me out. And then also, too, I was excited for him that he had a part in the new Tarantino movie. And I'm like, look at this guy. Like, he's going to make a comeback, you know? Had he shot it already? Yeah, it's already shot. Well, that's good. But I just, you know, you feel bad. You're like, this guy had a big moment. He was probably really excited, you know? Uh, and, uh, it's a shame. I've all, I have also seen Luke Perry because I've seen every episode of one of the worst television shows ever made. John from Cincinnati, which got a post Sopranos premiere on HBO. Wasn't it, the it was same? like low winter sun when Wasn't it came it on after Breaking Bad and everybody was like, what the fuck is this? Wasn't it the same creator as Sopranos? No, no. It was Milch, the guy who did Deadwood. Oh, okay. Milch. But, oh, I thought you meant that show on uh, Showtime time where the single mom is always going around complaining no, people want to have sex with her or that's whatever. Smilf. Single mom, I'd like to fuck. Could you imagine writing a show? Let's just be honest for a second here. I don't know the woman. I have nothing against her. Yeah. Could you imagine, though, the, the writing a script about yourself where you referred to yourself in the title as somebody people want to fuck? Could you imagine having that level of confidence and ego? Uh, no. No. Absolutely not. And it's not even like a joke. It's not even like, she thinks she's sexy, but she's a hot mess. It's like, no, she's like supposed to be, and she is, she's hot, but I mean, it's just kind of weird. Rosie O'Donnell as her mom. I saw the first one, the first episode is very dong heavy. Uh, it, it didn't bring me back, but uh, I, I don't know enough to speak ill of it. She's a, I can't speak ill of the show. I just, the, the, just the title of, I'm going to make a show about my I hear life. You. I hear you. Uh, also, she's a big, big middle ditch fan. Who is? The, the 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 woman that created and stars in that show. How do you know that the lead of Smilf, a show you've never seen, is a big Thomas Middleditch? Because I auditioned for her show once. Okay, and I had to watch the short. It was before it was out. I had to watch the short film. Oh, so, I've seen the short film, and he was in it. And then the other day, I ended up on her Twitter because she's in Jay and Silent Bob get reboot, get the reboot, whatever okay. the fuck it's called. And I didn't know who she was in the picture, so I clicked the link, and it went to her feed. And I was like, oh, that's the lady from Smilf. And then her first tweet was like something along the lines of like, 10 years ago, this beautiful man started my short film. It was, okay. It's like one of those things. Yeah. Uh, and Thomas Middleditch, I've never met yet. I can't stand. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, look, the, guy, the guy's commercials have uh, really... I never cared for him on Silicon Valley, but th these commercials are something else, man. They're something else. I liked him on Silicon Valley. The Verizon things put me... Uh, I'm just like... Yeah. Oh, my God. Eddie Pepitone 
does a tremendous amount of tweets about how much he hates <laughs> middle ditch and they're always fucking hilarious i saw eddie pepitone here in town recently god it was funny god it was funny i saw him the other night he was very funny yeah um yeah i looked up perry i looked through his whole illustrious career uh, truly the only things i've seen john from cincinnati buffy the vampire slayer but r.i.p i couldn't pick king kong bundy out of a lineup uh that just was not my era of wrestling uh king kong bundy is you know he's one of the classics man and he was really funny too yeah he started to do stand-up i think after he quit wrestling okay which i'm always skeptical about i just you know our, our friend stormy daniels now is doing stand-up yeah at the joke joint I, I i said to my friend i go i'd be less embarrassed to be headlining the strip club in that city than the joke joint uh folks folks uh but you know i'm always skeptical when somebody leaves their other thing and does stand up yeah and uh but and i never saw a stand up so it might have been terrible but in interviews he was really funny uh, uh and he would say like very edgy stuff and I, I thought i liked it i enjoyed it but uh you know what do you say let's 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 throw this out to the fans let's put out a thousand dollar patreon level Okay. Patreon level. It's thousand dollars. We we we'll put it up there. You get it. The three of us, whoever gives the money, you and me, fly down to Houston, Texas yeah. for the Stormy Daniels <laughs> stand up show. Now do that do they give us a thousand dollars? Do we split it? If if we buy three tickets with a thousand dollars. We need $2,000. We need more because we need hotel money and stuff, too. Yeah. But, yeah, but we pay. We'll buy the whole package. We'll fly you from where you are. I'll do that. $2,000. I am two days away from being out of work. I don't know what's next, and, folks, I don't care. I'm going to relax. You put your time in, baby. Uh yeah, I would I would go do that. So if any of you want to contribute $2,000, we'll meet you in Houston for uh, Stormy. Speaking of Stormy, it's raining like hell out there right now. I'm enjoying it. Are you, though? I mean, uh, it doesn't rain 364 days out of the year, usually in Los Angeles. We've had about a month of pretty steady rain. I'm loving every minute of it. Can't every minute of it? Every single minute of it. God, never, never getting enough. No, I, I hate los angeles weather and this doesn't feel like los angeles weather so i love it all right now folks if i may yeah let's get on with the show and at the same time on with the joe all right there it is. Take two of the On With The Joe. Uh, we had to redo the On With The Joe. Well, no. Joe had a call. Pat wasn't happy with the I original. Said, hey, if you're taking a call, let's get out my shitty On With The Joe and replace it with a slightly, very slightly less shitty On With The Joe. <laughs> I'll see you in hell. You know I will. I'll see you in hell. You know I will. Um... Folks, let me take you, if I may, over to Pat's movie corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a picture, I believe on stars, I want to say, called Ideal Home. Uh, I was intrigued for three reasons. Two, it stars Paul Rudd, who's always fun, and the great Steve Coogan, who plays one of my favorite characters of all time, Alan Partridge, who has a new show on the bbc that i am dying to see is it the talk show again it's the talk show again wow i cannot wait my favorite alan partridge is the post talk show like chronicling his life falling apart the, yeah the one where it's like the office version right. of alan partridge is is one of the funniest things i've ever seen yes but i i'm still very excited for this <laughs> and i've heard that it's great anyway steve coogan and paul rudd as a homosexual couple who wind up in you know raising a a young boy the movie was directed by andrew fleming who was a writer director i like a lot he did the craft which we covered on this show but i prefer his comedies he did dick which i liked a lot he did hamlet 2 with steve coogan which is really a funny movie if you have not seen it very underrated 
Um, and this is just basically uh, a love story about kind of a bitchy gay couple trying to raise this kid. And it played like an average sitcom for about its entire running time. There are like a couple decent jokes. It's all very pleasant. It's just not something I would say you got to rush out and see. It's elevated by the performances. Um, just in my opinion, Andrew Fleming is usually a much sharper writer director. And this felt just kind of, you know, barely hung together. However, there's so many generic romantic comedies that come out all the time. I liked having the, the gay twist on it. You know, they should have their generic romantic comedies too. And that's what this was at the end. They show a lot of photos of actual gay couples and their actual children as kind of a montage over the credits. That was fantastic and very cool to see. I just sort of felt like, I'm not sure you earned this loving montage, you know, like with, with, with what came before it. I, I, all in all, an average film. Uh, if it's on TV, you're not going to hate yourself for watching it. Um, but there it is. Sounds like a fucking boring movie. Like when you were describing it, I was like, what is this? Like a, one of Rudd's first films? This is like a newer thing? It's Yeah, it, like Rudd was cast as gay for about five years there. Um, no, but I'm not. I'm, no, I'm saying though, like this is a newer picture. Yeah, it. It like, sounds like such it's a low. Brand new. It feels exactly like that, like a '98, like object of my affection type movie, and that's about the level it's at. It's um, it's fine. Would you say that I'm the object of your affection? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Especially after that towel encounter. I I see now. You know what that says to me, people. He wants it. <laughs> he wants it, and he can't have it, sister. Tearing me apart. <laughs> uh, I watched uh, a documentary. I can't remember if I talked about this on the show before, because it was the second time I watched it. But I watched a documentary called "Adjust Your Tracking," which is about VHS collectors, yeah. and uh, I really enjoyed it. Where did um, you find it? I found it on uh, I think Amazon. No, I think I saw it on Tubi. Jesus, with this Tubi. It's a great app. You're going to be recommending all stuff. No one has any idea what you're talking about. Well, the first time I saw it wasn't on Tubi. Tubi Originals. <laughs> there was a time where they said this about AMC, Pat. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Uh, I, I watched Adjust Your Tracking. It's a, it's a fun documentary. It's it's guys with these, and, and gals, but it is mostly dudes. What? Uh, with yeah with these insane vhs collections are these pretty cool pretty cool dudes or they seem nice enough uh the uh there's one guy that has a video store in his basement he converted his basement into an actual video store okay um they talk about renting vhs yeah and people still come by and rent them i couldn't tell if he was open to the public or if he just as a goof he okay. turned his basement into a video store but he had like a cash register and everything down there so uh, that was hard to tell but but um you know it's a it, they get into blockbuster and the fall of the mom and pop video store and how that all worked and what happened and what went wrong and right this sort of thing and i, I just enjoy watching anything about collectors usually especially collectors that collect things that i'm interested in and i'm not a huge vhs collector but you know i have a i have a modest amount over there and i have a decent sized movie collection uh so i just enjoyed the film and they my favorite part is when they get into the rarities in the vhs field Mm -hmm. and like these movies that look like a guy shot it like on a camcorder in 1983 right it's like but it's so rare it sells for like 700 dollars new if you can find a copy of the movie um I had a very extensive VHS collection uh, covering a whole wall of my basement when I was, well, till I left my parents' house. Uh, I think one day my dad just sold them all for a dollar probably. But uh, I had a very extensive collection, including Rad, the BMX biking movie, which I sold for $500, Mm -hmm. a used copy that I stole from Blockbuster Video, which was an evil corporation, and I felt I was owed it. Um and the other that I sold for quite a bit of money was a VHS of Gator Bait, which was like a Deliverance-type movie, but with a Playboy model. And I never opened it. It was like a gag gift, and I was like, Gator Bait? Ha, ha, ha. But uh, years later, I was like, oh, I never opened this. 
looked it up online worth like five hundred dollars new you can you can do some fines for losers i mean especially if never uh if something never came out on dvd which is the case of both of those movies um the last blockbuster just closed in In, australia uh, alaska right i think it was australia it was a place that started and ended with an A. I th- well, John Oliver talks about this on his HBO program, and I believe it was Alaska. Uh, how does he talk about it? At the top of his lungs? In a Muppet voice screamed <laughs> at the top of his lungs. Blockbuster Video still has stores open in Alaska. Thank you. Oh, so the last one didn't close. I be- well, if it did, it was in Alaska. Okay. The uh, So YouTube has been splicing John Oliver rants about brexit in mm-hmm. as ads for some reason okay i guess i mean you know people it's like what, what fucking world are we li- we got an entertainment show that has paid ads about its take on brexit you think your voice matters in this fucking just please anyway uh jo- i mean it couldn't be more corporate meets pop it's just crazy but anyway it's this thing, I go to sleep to a lot to YouTube. I'll go to sleep to collector videos and video game reviews and stuff like that. I find them very soothing. Okay. And in the middle of a soothing thing where a guy's like, the problem with the Burger Time port on the Atari is, uh, you know, it doesn't yeah. control as well. Brexit! <laughs> but it is madness! <laughs> Do you believe? And I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. And I have to like, Roll it, and it goes on for like five minutes. Uh, that makes no sense. That's not an ad at all. I don't. I don't know what that. It's would literally be. a rant about Brexit from the desk. And when you're going to bed, you just let your laptop sit there all night playing. I have my you my my iPad. Okay. And I play like a playlist or something right. on YouTube, but those still have ads in them. John Oliver show, and I think I've seen every episode of it. I. I can't do Trevor Noah. It's just deadly. But uh, I mean, I like the it's one just deadly <laughs> once a week. Like John Oliver, when he'd go into an issue like he's like all this week, we are talking to you about teachers salaries or whatever it may be. And they do kind of a probing in depth. Look, I like that when it's him now, just like. Ooh, Trumpy, fuck a Trumpy, you fucking orange piece of shit Trump. It's like, I can find this anywhere else. This isn't very interesting. The screaming, you're you're dead on. It's just like, stop screaming. I have to always turn down the TV, like to a to an almost unlistenable point, because you never know when he's gonna start screaming. The voice is a lot, the persona's a lot. I don't find him particularly funny. I watch it really as kind of a, a news source a once a week collection of stories of the day presented sometimes entertainingly, but I'll be damned if that guy doesn't grate my cheese sometimes. I don't even think it's a good collection of news stories. I feel like it's a few stories and then 15 minutes on like peanut farmers. Yeah. Where he's like, tweet at your local senator yeah. to tell him he's a peanut head yeah, if he I'm doesn't like, vote for this bill. I'm like, you're you're this angry fuck? about this? And then the other thing is he'll be like, hey, fuck you, fuck you. 800 fucks in a sentence because he's on HBO. And it's like, look, man, I'm no prude, but you don't have to say fuck all the time because you're on HBO. Then they'll do the news you story. You are a prude because I tried to finger you earlier and you said no. Well, I don't like being fingered. I, I like other things all right. that we can discuss after the show. But basically, the, he, he drives me nuts with that shit. And when he really drives me nuts, and this is something John Stewart and others used to do, but at least you could usually believe John Stewart meant it, is when he does the fake, like really sincere bit. And I'll show you a clip of like some, so, you know, a clip of a, a man getting eaten by a bear or something. And everybody goes, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. You see that? And then 10 seconds later, it's a clip of like a little girl, uh, you know, having someone call her a, a racial slur and they'll come back and they'll go like, folks, can you believe what you've just seen? Like voice quivering. And it's like, pick a tone and what are you doing? And. This is my impression of the old Daily Show with the two of them. Ready? Yeah. This is Stuart and Oliver. So, um, you know, Trump, maybe just, uh, maybe you dumb. <laughs> maybe you dumb. 
He's an idiot. Yeah. John, the man is a damn fool. And Mike Pence. And Mike Pence. And Mike Pence. You're, you're not a Stewart fan as well? And Mike Pence. Maybe you don't? Uh, no, I just thought it would be fun to do this. Oh. Thanks for just stepping right on the bit, though. I mean, I didn't know how long it was going to go. As long as I goddamn <laughs> wanted it to. John Stewart, I always enjoyed. You're not a yes and kind of guy, but I like John Oliver in a in that role of coming on for a segment. A no, half hour is a lot. I like John Stewart. I'm just I'm pointing out how polar opposite it is that this show is a Daily Show clone. Yes, and Stewart was like was like you know what I mean. You know, it was all very just like understated, shrugging the shoulders, making that face. You know, sure, and. You know, Christ, it, it, Oliver sounds like he's going to start throwing, like, lawn darts at the camera. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, I saw Super Troopers 2. How was it? You know? Um, I believe it's on one of the networks, HBO, maybe. How was it? It is funny, you know? It's like, I looked it up, it terribly reviewed. Then everybody who gave it terrible reviews the first time when it was just Super Troopers is like nowhere near as good as the brilliance of Super Troopers because now everyone likes Super Troopers. So everyone pretends they liked it when it came out. All these critics, you look up their reviews, it's like, no, you hated it. Yeah. I mean, it's just sick. But uh, Super Troopers 2 is stupid, but it's really funny and honestly jarring to see a movie with jokes, a comedy with jokes. I And that's sad and scary to say but it is a comedy with a ton of jokes and they don't all work and some of them are real stupid some of them are real gross but it starts with a really funny scene and uh it just kind of goes from there fred savage turns up great little cameo um there's funny shit in it will sasso's great in it there's great little bit parts for people and i think those guys are good i i thought beer fest was maybe their crowning achievement um, I never think they're at some sort of a level, but in terms of your second tier comedy, they know how to land a joke. I like what they do. All right. What do you think of the broken lizard guys? Uh, I, you know, they're funny. I th- you know, they're, they're, it's, it's hit and miss like any one of those troops. Yeah. You know, it's, they're, they're funny. Uh, and then they're, and then I'm like, well, whatever. And then they're funny again. And then I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, speaking of which I watched, Ooh, I'm going to get shit for this, but I wasn't even going to bring this up, but you brought up Broken Lizard. I watched a retrospective show about Mighty Monty Python. Yeah. Uh, I can't even remember the name of it, but it's you know, something, something, the best of Python. And then it's like all these actors and comedians setting up their favorite sketches. Right. One of which is Jim Carrey and yet another just abhorrent appearance on camera of him explaining to you what brilliance is. Uh-huh. Um, People, Uh-oh. these fucking guys are not funny. Monty Python. It is not funny at all. It is not. Fu- it's it's not funny. Watch these sketches and tell me they're funny. It's literally like every sketch is like Jim Carrey will be like, "I love the one where Terry Gilliam sees double, uh-huh. but he's a mountain climber." And then Eric I- and then the sketch comes in and Terry Gilliam's behind the desk and Eric Idle comes in and Eric Idle's like and Terry Gilliam will be like, uh, now the two of you there and Eric Idle will be like, Sir, there's just one of me here. Okay then, both of yous get ready. and it's just killing. Applause breaks <laughs> and, and that's the whole sketch, just over and over. So so you say there's just one of you then, huh? Yeah. Well, then how come I see two of you? Sir, there's only one of me. Gonna have a trouble climbing up that mountain with the two of yous together. Sir, there's one of me. We might have... It's That's it. That's the, that's the whole fucking sketch. Over and over and over and over. My parrot's not dead. Your parrot's dead. That parrot is alive. Don't you see? It's alive. It's not alive. It's dead. It's not dead. It's... <laughs> Over and over and add fucking did, nauseam. Did you enjoy Monty Python on the Holy Grail? Some of it. Wow. I thought the meaning of life was funny. Meaning of life is funny. I think portions of the movies are funny because life there's at least funny. there's like at least a character thing to latch on to. Sure. You I know? have seen 
I own the the box set of Monty Python, and I, I have not opened it. Yeah, of course you haven't. I have seen some of the sketches. I I do feel like their sketches are probably more of their time. I think it's like watching early SNL, super groundbreaking. Then you watch it now, you're like, what the fuck? No, Monty Python, I feel like would be less dated because they're more silly and surreal as opposed to political. I'll go a step further with this, just yes. so you think I'm not bashing on the uh, our friends across the pond there. Sure. SNL was never funny. People go, people go. Oh, the glory days of SNL. You go back and watch these early, the ones from the seventies. You're talking about where people are like, yeah. this was a wild show. It was wild because they are bombing from front to fucking back on this thing, and the whole country. And they're so high they don't know. Yeah, the whole country was so coked up and stoned. That's it true. was like fun to watch. Those sketches stink. The, cheeseburger, 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 well, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. <laughs> there is. A reason that whenever they do a retrospective and they do them all the time, they show the same 12 sketches. <laughs> so it's like, and who could forget? And it's like, don't tell me you're going to show the shark knocking on the door again. And they do. And, and Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, and all this stuff. And I do think you can cut together a super funny two to three hour collection of SNL sketches in the 70s. Um, but yeah, when I actually sat down and I was like, as a student of comedy, I'm going to watch all of them when they actually put them on DVD. I watched like all the 75 episodes. Who there's some dog shit in there. <laughs> and when they don't have a funny host, man. Yay. And they almost never have a funny host back then because they didn't understand. You can't build book like. Milton Berle. Yeah, that's like that's like being like you know what we're doing a we're doing a a, a comedy festival in the dingiest bars in Echo Park. Right. We've got uh, Rich Little coming down <laughs> to host it. it yeah. Like they didn't understand that this doesn't work tonally together. But dude, they, uh, and then what, when it wasn't him, it'd be Buck Henry. Oh my! You want to talk about a guy who's not funny who who was just on there for years? My, and years. My glory days for the me. Man wrote the graduate. Don't get me wrong. But. Of SNL, my glory days for me of SNL are the Farley cast. That Hartman, is that is Farley. the funniest time when the old guard was going out and the new guard was coming in. But I'll tell you this: you even you watch those. That, that Miller was my favorite Hollywood. Or I mean, um, uh, what the hell is the fuck is it called? The news Weekend thing. Update. Never Weekend liked the guy. Always a Norm man. Uh, I love Norm too. But mm -hmm. Norm was sort of at the tail end of this stuff. Right. You know, this all kind of bridges over. But that phase yeah. was my favorite. That was the classic time. Spade was in there. So you go back and watch those full episodes. They suck. It's the same thing. When they show you the highlights of those seasons, it's the same goddamn 20 sketches. But whenever Farley's popping up in something or Hartman or... Lo yeah, they, plenty there are duds too. He, there's plenty they pop up in that doesn't work. That's that one sketch where it's them like in the newsroom. What are you trying to say? I'm fired. You're fired. You're gone. To me, You're that's a very funny sketch. It gets gets zero laughs. Him and Lovitz. <laughs> they start laughing about halfway through. We watched that in the room because Lovitz just did a uh, a cool kids and we. I, it's funny. I'm fans of all these, I'm, and I'm fans of the people that were in the cast of SNL. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fans of, I love, like, when I see John Cleese popping up, I get very excited. Like, I like these people. John I, Cleese is a fucking hilarious man, and Faulty Towers is a fucking hilarious yeah. show. Uh, which I is like, proof that it's not, uh, which is proof that what we're talking about doesn't mean because it's of the time. There's plenty of the time that's still funny. Yeah. You still laugh at Caddyshack. You still that's laugh true. at the Monty Python movies. I'm talking, these shows as sketch shows are not, fucking funny i'm sorry i'm sorry it's it's and, and jim carrey can sit there all he wants in a multicolored rayon shirt telling me uh <laughs> that it's they've captured madness man yeah that it's madness man oh god he fucking sucks Whew. all right that's all you're, you're doing a lot of screaming on today's show Jim. i had a lot of fun doing my reenactments of Mighty Python. I'd like to say for the record, I haven't seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail in a while, but the movie I always found to be a just joke, dense, hilarious film. A lot of jokes. Uh, Meaning of Life is very funny, and Life of Brian was kind of lost on me as a kid, but I liked it more as an adult. I like Meaning of Life because it was dark. I like that they did some gross-out humor in it, you know? That Mr. Creosote never sat right with me. I, I never found that funny. The fat guy? Yeah. Why? The, the puking. It's just, I never enjoyed it's puking. It's a disgusting sketch. Yeah. But I liked it. Yeah. 
And uh, it had something to say, you know, about the rich and they just keep eating and they're you know, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I liked them. Uh, I like scattered SNL. I do think you hold up, aside from this recent Milani episode, which was really just a wall-to-wall Very funny. gem Very in their funny. best in five years. Um, if you hold up any of the past five years of SNL to almost any other time in its history, we're at we're at the worst phase of the show. I don't well, think I don't think you could you could tie together a highlight reel of the past five seasons, and I don't think they've had not, a breakout character in the last five seasons. It's and not that's a, a show that lives on that. It's not a cultural commentary anymore. It's just jokes for millennials. Almost just jokes from millennials. It is. Like, I really, I like this week's episode. I hated that fucking scream sketch. It was just like. Yeah, no, it wasn't great. It's just like, we get it. Nothing phases millennials. It's like, it's the same note over and over. And like so many, like when they'll do like celebrity things now, it's like, who gets this besides somebody who's 22 or younger? Sure. Like, who's this into Look, the fact that Ariana Grande gave that show relevance again because she was dating somebody on it, yeah, that's that says it all right there. You yeah. know anybody over twenty four that listens to Ariana Grande? Um, I do. I, I don't listen to her, but I I have seen every episode of SNL since I have been alive. I would say since I was five, except for the ones my dad made me go to bed early. I it's a show I've really watched. The progression of, and I think we're at probably its darkest time. Um, Joe, what's your number two pick? That was my number two. It was this Monty Python. Moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, my number three, and remind me to read a Peter Travers tweet, the worst movie critic in America. Um, my number three is, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk about something that at unquestionably, folks, the most relentlessly grim, like six month period of my life. Uh, this thing brought me such joy. I watched the last one the other night, and it is the six uh, round the world with Conan O'Brien specials that are on Netflix, fairly new to Netflix. And in each one, he goes to a different part of the globe Haiti, Italy, whatever, uh, Israel. And I think a big part of it is that I used to watch Conan every single night. Even when I was a kid, I would stay up till 1230 and watch him. I worked at Conan briefly, but eventually got kind of burned out. I watched all his run when he was in the Leno spot. And then I kind of gave up when he went to TBS. But to my God, is he still funny? And these shows are so fucking funny. They're relentlessly joke packed. They're edited very well. They all clock in at like 45 minutes and they all have moments of heart and sweetness and genuine learning about other cultures. I thought they were so good that when I watched the first one, I immediately watched the second and then I said, no, 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 save these in the chamber for a rainy day. I did it just nice where I was just like, oh, fuck, I'm in a bad mood. I would sit down and start laughing. I, I can't recommend them highly enough. They're fantastic. Uh, last on my list is the 1941 version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, oh. which I had never seen. Who's uh, that? Spencer Tracy plays Jekyll nice. and Hyde. Uh, I was a little more interested in seeing the 1931 version uh, with Frederick March that this was a remake of. Uh, both were supposed to be on the disc. The 31 version wasn't on the disc, sadly and disappointingly. But I watched the 1941 version, and it is no slouch. It's a very, very good film. Excellent direction. Very daring, too. Very edgy imagery for, for that time for that time period. Really, like, there's a scene when he first takes the potion, and the director does this whole crazy, like, montage of images, like crazy images. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things he starts, he sees himself on, like, like whipping a pack of wild horses, like a madman, and then the horses turn into the women that he wants to fuck. Like it's it's wild shit, you know. Like yeah. it's 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 pretty edgy for for that time and place because the ratings code was a pretty new thing then, and I'm surprised they got away with what they got away with in this. But um, 
But uh, you know, it's a it's a great flick. It's a classic. It's you know, I have it on a four pack of Turner Classic Movie Greatest Hits. It's that Freaks, The Haunting, and uh, uh, I forget what. So the far, f- you're three for four. I, have, I haven't seen this one. The fourth one is um, oh, how am I blanking on this? The fourth one is House of Wax. Oh, good movies all. Yeah, so it's a nice little pack. You can get it for like six bucks on Amazon. Uh, I would recommend really looking into those. I bought so many of those four movies in one little set thing for five bucks. And, you know, they're nice to have. They, they're not always the best quality. You got to read the reviews. Sometimes they try to put like four movies on one disc and then everything looks worse than VHS. But uh, you can find some good deals if you look those up. I'm going to read you this tweet from a man who has made me angry for decades. The worst critic in the business, Peter Travers. Now just a shameful quote whore. He uses words like rollicking and stuff just so he can get put on a poster. But this one was one of my recent favorites. And it's about, I didn't send this to you, did I? No. It's about, what's the movie called? Marvel Girl? Captain Marvel. Oh, she's Captain Marvel? She's Captain Marvel. It's been met with lukewarm reviews, which makes me very happy because finally people are calling bullshit on Marvel and saying, stop showing us the same goddamn movie over and over again. It is strange that they're doing it to the woman one, but clearly Peter Travers was like, I didn't like this, but uh, it's about women, so I better say I did. AV Club didn't give it a good review. That's what I was that, like. Yeah. This must really not be a good movie. Right. Yeah, they'll usually lie about anything. Uh, here's Travers. You could ding it for convoluted plotting and a retro style that flattens the usual Marvel fireworks. But a dynamite Brie Larson gives hell to cosmic villains and sexist trolls. And an orange feline named Goose is the best movie cat ever! Exclamation point. Four out of five stars. Unbelievable. Folks, he says two really bad things about the movie, then just simply states what Brie Larson does. She gives hell to villains and trolls, then talks about a cat being cute. Early reviews gives it four stars. Early reviews of the movie were saying this cat, the cat steals the show. I mean, what what are we dealing with here? We're talking about a fucking cat stealing the show. Is it cuter than this cat licking on my finger? I hate cats. Oh. So... You know. just try to show Joe a picture of my cat. Your cat's cute, but I'm not a cat. I can't touch the things. I'm allergic. Right. But I mean, people are talking about this goddamn cat. It's like, guys, we're already adults talking about a movie where people are wearing tights and flying around. Yeah. Now we've reduced that movie to just talking about the cat in it. These aren't good movies. Yeah. Can we stop pretending like the like these aren't these the reason that people think these are good is because we have an we have an infor, a lust for information. We can't get enough stimulation out of our devices, out of our everything has to be now, now, now. And people are watching people are literally binge watching Marvel movies at this point. It's like a TV show. You're watching Marvel movies at the clip you would watch a TV show in the eighties because they get released that quickly. And TV shows are like watching commercials now because you can just blaze through the whole season in one sitting. So it's like... I couldn't even imagine when I saw that, like, we're showing all the Marvel movies over a 24-hour period at AMC theaters. I would die. I would absolutely die. There's not enough money. I just... Imagine just every movie with the exact... Hitting the exact same beats and the exact same noise. Ugh. Dude, they're in phase three. Think about how long ago... Avengers 1... The first one. People hate when we go off on superheroes. Avengers Part 1 ended Phase 1 of Marvel. Yeah. Only those movies were Phase 1. And think about how many movies that was. Yeah. During that phase, I was like, well, this is getting a little silly, but all right. How many phases are they doing? They're in Phase 3. But is there a limit? (laughs) No. They've already got Phase 4 planned, I think. Dude, it's just like, who gives a shit, man? God almighty, how many times can you watch this fucking shit? It's so boring. And by the way, guys, this is this is the shit we all trashed in the 80s. This stupid fucking brainless machismo horse shit that started off as really, really cool story-built action movies like First Blood, and then you ended up with Rambo 3. 
and everybody was like, what the fuck happened to the genre? They killed the goose. They put too much of it out. These movies are terrible. They all rely on bad one-liners, stupid gags, and dumb machismo. And that's all these fucking Marvel movies are. And everybody's like, no, they're great. Shut up. If I hear one more fucking person go, the reason they're good is because of the jokes. Is it? Is it? That's literally like being, the reason Ghostbusters 1 was good was because of the ghosts. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. Fucking morons, man. All right, sorry. Ooh, I'm all worked up today. It's going to be a hot show tonight, JoJo's heading to a stand-up show. <laughs> um, I might go on stage and do the uh, Monty Python was never funny thing. Go for it. <laughs> See if it works. Uh, let's get into our topic of the day. I'll say yeah, my... you need to tone down the anger and tone up the love for what do you say? We sweeten it up with a little bit of can't. Oh, candy. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Uh, this is why we don't work in a writer's room together. <laughs> um, one of thousands of reasons. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the middle of breaking a script, I'm pacing around the room. And another thing. You fucks. <laughs> uh, John Candy, to me, easily one of my biggest comedy heroes, both in stature and in talent. And it was immediate for like one of my earliest memories of childhood was a love of John Candy. When you look up, uh, like when my dad was moving out of his house, he had all these boxes and I was looking through like old papers I had and it was like kindergarten favorite movie star john candy like that early right and when john candy passed away in 1994 march of 1994 i would have been about 13 and i Going remember on 30 because it was a tough yeah tough childhood my mother told me about john candy's death in the same way you would tell a kid that they're grandfather had died and i took it every bit as hard i refused to believe it i think it happened maybe a couple of months prior to hartman which hit me as well but you know john candy to me was like i i think my mom was like i know you need to be alone or i went to my room i think i was crying <laughs> i mean just just the funniest and he had something that most comedy stars don't which is just you love him everybody loved him farley had it certainly to some extent but picked a lot of the wrong projects and was alive a lot shorter john candy also had difficulty picking projects you certainly find yourself wishing he had more movies that were up to his talents but when you did find a movie that that met him at his level a plans trans and automobiles or an Uncle Buck, or you know several others that we'll discuss here. Well, the man w was peerless. Candy didn't hit. Candy didn't. This is what a lot of people don't realize. Candy didn't hit his stride in candy movies until the midpoint. He got off to a slow start. You know, there's a lot of stuff he did in Canada that were Canadian only yeah. movies that are very forgettable. Going berserk, you know, uh, stuff you know, like that. And even in one of his earlier films, which we've talked about here, Summer Summer Rental is not a funny movie. Uh, it's 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 got big laughs, but it, a, a terrible last half hour. Um, so it's you know it's it's a, it's charming, but uh, but Farley on the other hand, it was the exact opposite. Like he came out swinging. Yeah. And then, like, got a, had a bunch of duds. And I feel like Farley would have had the same, had a chance at the same resurgence or, or finding his stride finally. Well, Farley was going to do, like, an Oliver Stone biopic of Fatty Arbuckle. Yeah, that would have been awesome. You know, that Candy had also toyed with years prior. But you are, right now, you're 42? 41. 41. John Candy died at 43. That's, I thought he was like 56. It's because we were kids, yeah. But, but I mean, uh, even look at that picture. If you yeah. met him and he goes, I'm 43, you'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would like to, A, I was a massive SCTV fan from a very young age. SCTV, you put that on now, you want to talk about holding up. 
That is comedy now. SCTV now is what everyone is pretending uh, is like the, the new comedy. Everyone's like, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? It really is all that. Schitt's Creek is SCTV. Right, right. And it's not just because it's got O'Hara and Guest. I mean, it's it's slightly larger than life characters, but always performed fairly realistically. That show is so much smarter and funnier and more timeless than SNL. And the parodies of things, like I don't know who like Brenda Vaccaro is, for example. Um, I believe she was in Saturday Night Fever. But when Andrea Martin does Brenda Vaccaro, her impression is so funny that it doesn't matter. She does that impression yeah. where she's going, like taking these weird breaths. And I'm like, I love yeah. this character, even though I don't know who she's impersonating. One of the That's hardest, impressive. one of the hardest, let me name a couple that I laughed real hard at. But, well, my favorite SCTV thing, arguably, thing ever is uh, the, uh, when, when, uh, when um, what's his face, from uh, Ghostbusters. Rick Moranis would do Merton, Mil, uh, Merv Griffin. Sure. And uh, I remember the first sketch you ever did it on, it's, it's him at a piano, and it's a promo for the Merv Griffin show that week. Yes. And he's looking at the camera, and he's going, on the radio, whoa, whoa, yes. whoa, yes. on the radio. And I... I, I lose my fucking mind when I see that. Again, if you don't know Merv Griffin, it's just funny because you're like, who is this guy? Right. Like, what, what would this show be like? Uh, also, Johnny LaRue is always great. Johnny LaRue is incredible. Five Neat Guys, which is the barbershop quartet yeah. with Candy, Levy, Moranis, uh, Dave Thomas, and Flaherty. One of my favorites. Yellow Belly, the coward that john candy played who like shoots a, a woman in the back and then like shoots a child to avoid mild conflicts he's like in a western but his name is yellow belly candy did some great stuff on there the half wits the uh you know which it was completely ripped off by snl for the uh trebek jeopardy sketches um what is the uh who's the character levy would play levy would play the the, the like stallone actor that would be like, meh. He would do I, that laugh. I know who you're talking about. I do not remember his name, but uh, I know awesome. who you're talking about. Um, Candy, I mean, let's go through it. So SCTV is a great place to start, and every episode of it is available on DVD. You can get whole seasons for pretty cheap on Amazon unless they've gone out of print. But where I guess most people saw him in terms of movies was 1941. Which, I never saw that. You know, a notorious Spielberg bomb, a huge money loser, it's Belushi, it's Aykroyd, it's in World War II. I think it's a pretty fun movie, and not everything works in it, but it's got a lot of great stuff. But Candy really came into his own, I would say, and you know, to me, this is a classic movie. People either love it or hate it. Blues Brothers. And his character, the cop in there, and his immortal line, Orange Whip, Orange Whip, Three Orange Whips. I mean, John Candy is fucking incredible in that. And John Candy's style of comedy, from the jump was ahead of its time it wasn't nobody was doing that kind of comedy it was all very much him and all that comedy now the, the awkwardness that people do you know that's in all especially all cable comedy and all everything's awkward and everything's uncomfortable or whatever that was candy in a nutshell man like that was his whole thing um but well, he, ha he had a broader appeal with it and that speaks to some of, i think some of the issues that farley had with his movies was they took him and put him the first thing he was in he was the main guy right you know like oh he had a small well, part Wayne's in Billy. world and yeah billy madison he was hilarious and yeah but you know it's like he Candy up. was the second fiddle third fiddle fourth fiddle for a long time yeah i mean you get up to splash he still isn't the star of this thing blues brothers 80 stripes 81 he's hilarious and yeah. stripes again there a movie on this flight <laughs> yeah yeah uh and then national lampoon's vacation small parts he's great in it vacation as the guard super memorable uh splash he steals that movie easily and then brewster's millions is kind of his first lead with prior brewster's millions i remember that's loving before, as a kid wait brewster's millions was before summer rental that's well same year okay well even brewster's it's prior's movie yeah, still, it's still not his movie, is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? In '85, the man made Brewster's Millions, which I loved as a kid. Watched recently, it's not good. And John Candy doesn't have many many great bits in it. I remember even as a kid being like, I wanted more from this. You, it's a great premise, and they don't do much with it. He also was in Follow That Bird, which is one of the first movies I saw in the theater. It was a porno film, correct? <laughs> no, uh, but Candy's funny in that. Right. Summer Rental. These are all 1985. 
that was kind of his first lead, a Carl Reiner movie. Summer Rental to me has big laughs and then just death. <laughs> You know, like real shit. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 rough, but it's very rough. worth seeing to me. Volunteers with Tom Hanks, his now wife Rita Wilson, and John Candy. You know, there's a reason that nobody has seen a movie starring Tom Hanks and John Candy that's not Splash. It's not very good either. It's got its moments, but not many of them. I also remember never wanting to see a movie at that age where Tom Hanks was doing an English accent. Is he English? In he volunteers? does like a weird accent. Oh. Yeah. And I remember being like, that's not Tom Hanks. Now that's all he does. Yeah. Uh, Armed and Dangerous. I think you like more than I, but I need to see it again. I'm a big fan of Armed and Dangerous. You got Levy. You got Logia. You got Meg Kenny. Ryan. What else do you need? Yeah. Meg Ryan. I mean, this is. I might watch Armed and Dangerous tonight because I don't. That was one as a kid. It just as much as I loved him, it was didn't get a lot of repeat spins. Then we got Little Shop of Horrors discussed last week. Spaceballs, I imagine you also like more than me, but I like yeah, it. I'm a big fan. And in the same year as Spaceballs, you got Planes, Trains. Like, that's that's kind of the thing, though. He's playing Mog in Spaceballs in the same year he turns in one of the greatest comedic performances of all time in Planes, Trains. Like, the guy would just be like, sure, if the money's right, I'll be there. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's if the money was right. I think you know. Well, he like, wasn't in Ghostbusters because of money. I think he just kind of. Well, well, lack of money, fine. But I mean, my yeah. point is, is Spaceballs is a funny movie, and it's he's a, like, and oh, Mel I get Brooks, to play sure. a dog. That's funny. Yes, fair enough. Uh, not, I, not that different from the character he plays that from Del Griffith. <laughs> Mog, yeah, you're, you might. Be uh plants trans you know we've discussed so much in the show there's no point but that right. that is we did an episode about it that is the pinnacle for me of of candy's career oh no the pinnacle's coming up baby next year was great outdoors which Wonderful. we've also discussed super funny then let's not forget he was the voice of the horse and hot to trot forgettable misfire ne- maybe never saw hot to trot who's harry crumb there's the pinnacle baby now you put who's harry crumb above <laughs> I love who's Harry Listen, Crumb. Listen, I, I've obviously I know that Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is a twenty thousand times better movie <laughs> than Who's Harry Crumb. Yeah, I just have such a soft spot for that goddamn movie. I am angry that we didn't get a couple Harry Crumb sequels. That should have been the new Pink Panther franchise. It was supposed to be his. It was supposed to be like his um, uh, Austin Powers. Yeah, I think you know he had a little more creative involvement in that one and really wanted it to pop. Didn't pop. This one's going to get ugly, boys. Throwing the boa around his <laughs> neck. <laughs> Speed Zone is terrible. It was like sort of the third uh, Cannonball Run film. Speed Zone is unquestionably bad. And then Uncle Buck. Now, Uncle Buck, I remember everything about the day I saw Uncle Buck. I begged my mom and begged and begged. It was PG, so I knew I'd get to see it, but we didn't have a lot of money. So we go to Uncle Buck at the AMC Regency 8 Cinema. We played in the arcade beforehand. We go in, and that movie starts off. My parents were so strict with fucking movies. And it starts off, and Macaulay Culkin's like, your nails are digging into my arm, god damn it. My mom's like, what? And it is insane the amount that those two kids cuss at the beginning of Uncle Buck right. in a PG movie. And I thought I was getting yanked out of there. I started sweating. I remember everything about it because I was like, I'm not going to be able to see this. I right. want to die. Why are you that way cussing? Stop cussing, please. Right. And sure enough, I looked over my mom at the end of Uncle Buck. She had tears in her eyes when the mom comes home. You know, it's it's not as 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 moving as Plans Trans, but the end of Uncle Buck is very sweet, let alone both movies end with a loving freeze frame of John Candy, Yeah, which makes them even more it's a wonderful movie. poignant now. Poignant? Poignant. Poignant. It's a wonderful movie. Now, after this, we're going to start getting into some of the dark times. Well, right? with a quick stop at a great time, Home Alone, and one of the funniest cameos in okay. movie history. Voice and the Rescuers Down Under, which I saw opening day because John Candy was a voice. I had never even seen the Rescuers. And now we hit nothing but trouble, <laughs> which is the one most appropriate for this podcast. I want to watch it again. No, you don't. But I have seen nothing but trouble no fewer than 10 times. Yeah. Because I loved everybody in it. And oh. I was just like, I, it was kind of like taking a pill. I didn't really want to swallow. But there is something fascinating about that movie. That ended all of their careers. Yes. In one fell swoop. 
Demi yeah. Moore, yeah. Chevy Chase, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> just a Three Stooges slap across their faces <laughs> with one movie. That is, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I've never seen any anything. And I, I wanted to see it because at that age, I didn't have much interest in comedy anymore i was i was very into rap music and I, all i wanted to watch were like boys in the hood and stuff like that yeah and i wanted to see it because digital underground was in the movie right i couldn't wait to see digital underground in a movie i was already a fan tupac is in nothing but trouble it's his movie premiere think about that people tupac's introduction to the world is in the movie too. let's be real <laughs> it's in the movie nothing but trouble yeah it's makes no sense it truly doesn't um it, the movie is off the rails it's ugly the characters are ugly it's it is horror really at times i remember being scared by it i am going to watch it again very soon because i i need to know what i think as an adult man uh very funny cameo in uh john hughes written film called career opportunities Wait a minute. We, are we, we're, we're already done with... I guess there's nothing much more to say about nothing but I trouble. Mean, what do we got to say? It's Candy in a dual role, including a woman. Yeah, a woman and a cop. And then Aykroyd playing twin, like, globs. And also a judge with a dick nose. Yes. You know, like, all the makeup is just disgusting. Oh, my Aykroyd, God. you know, that that's a weird guy, Aykroyd. Let's just be real. That That movie came from his mind. And everything he writes, like the original draft of Blues Brothers was supposed to be like 400 pages. Original draft of Ghostbusters, 400 pages. Like he's not well. <laughs> but when you hone down his genius or pair him with a Ramus or somebody, he's great. I look forward to seeing him play Ray again in the new Ghostbusters. He makes Crystal Skull vodka, you know? You know, I, I look forward to seeing him be funny again. I haven't seen him be funny in a long time. You really want to see him in that brown jumpsuit? You think that's going to be funny? Remember his cameo in the new Ghostbusters? The new Ghostbusters was shit. And Do you remember what it, what was his line? It was like I ain't afraid of no ghost. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. I am afraid of a ghost or something like no, that. No, I I like that. Uh, Oof. I like I I think as Ray, he's always very funny, and he will be funny in that character. He's good in that type of role, and Dragnet, of course. Uh, to me, if I'm singling out one of his more underrated gems, I got to talk about Only the Lonely. Beautiful film. Candy and Sheedy. It's one of his rare rare romantic movies he and sheedy are adorable together uh it's a chris columbus movie who you know before harry potter i think made a lot of great comedies he was a protege of hughes it's a beautiful film only lonely is super entertaining maureen o'hara is fantastic in it uh it's just a very sweet and at times funny and uh, movie. also anthony quinn yes exactly yeah Year that's, after that's was a very sweet I, I, and you could never get away with it now in a movie because everybody's a fucking asshole. Yeah. But that's a very sweet dynamic that the two of them have through the whole movie where he hits on her, you know, like, like it's a little over the top the way he's hitting on her. And then her, her retort to it is like, you're disgusting, you Greek, <laughs> you know, and they have like that. You're talking about Quinn and O'Hara. Yeah, they have yes. that weird, like, sort of chauvinistic ethnic rivalry kind of thing. Yeah. And then at the end, you realize he 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 really is just a sweet guy, and she actually does kind of feel charmed by it, and yes. they they go in the house together. It's it's such a cute little. It reminds me of like the way people like in a nursing home would get together or something. Yeah, it's a it's it's got like a Marty vibe, if you know the Ernie Borgnine well, picture. It's a, Marty it was very inspired by Marty. Yeah, and Marty's one of my favorite uh, love films. Marty. Uh, the following year, well, the same year, actually, in the same year, this is what Candy. I mean, this man worked. Nothing but trouble, career opportunities, just a cameo. Only the Lonely, Delirious, and JFK, also a cameo. That's one year. Delirious, uh, in my opinion, is one of his funniest, and uh, people people hate it, man. They get I'm, trashed. I now own the Blu-ray of Delirious. I have seen it once in 1991. Watch that over watch and it. Dangerous. I'm tonight. watching it tonight. I would. Uh, and his his cameo in JFK is fantastic as the sweaty New Orleans guy. A little hammy, but it's very funny. Yeah, uh, funny, you funny, think it's funny. It's it's funny. It's dark. It's 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 a, to me. It's a lighter moment in JFK. Oh, I don't find it funny. Just him at in all. the white suit and sweating to me makes me laugh. But he's great in the part. Yeah, I like him in the part. The accent's a little heavy. But yeah, yeah. Once um, upon a crime is terrible. Terrible. With Richard Lewis and them. 
Uh, rookie of the year. He's funny as the announcer. Cool runnings. Look, I loved it just as much as you did when I was a kid. I tried 15 minutes the other night. Bailed. Uh, but maybe I'll get through it. Wagon Z, I remember just being oh, just God. depressed. Yeah. And Canadian Bacon, I was like, come on, man. So uh, he, Canadian he ended bacon in a is, bad spot. Canadian Bacon is far more passable than Wagon's East. Uh, but Wagon's East is just terrible. I, strangely, right, His he died during the filming of Wagon's East. Yes. Strangely, Farley's last movie. Almost Heroes. Almost Heroes. Same exact thing. Yeah. Like prissy frontier man needs a rugged, like drunk, wild outdoorsman to like show him how to to make this trick. Yeah, and directed by Christopher Guest, weirdly, almost heroes. But who directed uh, East? Wagons East. I, I don't. I could look it up. But, um, yeah, both. Maybe there was something to that. Like they both, they were either so far away from home that it made them like just constantly start smoking and drinking, or just being outside and doing physical activities was bad on the heart. I don't know, but there is something odd that both those movies followed that trajectory. Dude, do you? I know few people who work around the clock who don't have some sort of addiction they feed into. Yeah. It's not always, you know, the, the cliche is cocaine, but uh, it's not always that. It's like, dude, when you when you work that much and you're that much out of your house and you have to keep going and going and going and it's and it's essentially starts to become all work and no play, you start to pull play into work. Yeah, because you're like, I got to just get through this, dude. Like, you know, like this is a lot right now and I'm yeah. going to freak the fuck out. You know, I never think it's weird when I go into somebody's office and they have a little bar set up. I, mean, I got I a little bar it. set up. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, it's it's tricky to not go to it all the time. But yeah, it's candy apparently had a, a big weed thing. Loved weed. Remember hearing a story about how he baked a uh, Thanksgiving turkey with weed in it or something like that and brought it to a potluck. Jesus Christ. What? Pat, you were the worst at taking a symbol. I was pointing at the clock like I have to go. Oh, okay. Which was supposed to be silent. That's why I didn't say, Pat, I have to <laughs> well, go. Well, I mean, I, I don't know what, what's stopping you from saying I have to go. Because I didn't want to, because when I say that on the pod, you go, let's go back and cut that out. And I was no, just trying. No, 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 I was just trying to give you a thing like, hey, dude, I got to go. We got to wrap You're giving it up. me the red light. You know? Um, Pat, what? Worst guy to have if you get caught cheating on your wife. <laughs> <laughs> why? He wasn't with another woman? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we love John Candy. That little walk through his career was fun. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of movies of his, especially for the younger people that you just don't know. And they're all readily available. Yes. The man could truly polish a turd like in bad shit. He's funny in good shit. He's funny in great shit. He's the best there was. I mean, I I love the man 25th anniversary of his passing. Uh, his memory lives on for us all. Yes, well said, Patrick. Uh, Joe DeRosa Comedy on Instagram. Uh, this end of this month, March 29th and 30th, I am at uh, the Top Golf Casino or, or building or resort, whatever the hell it's called, uh, uh, doing Bonkers Presents Comedy there. Two shows, one each night. Uh, I will also have a new story in Penthouse this month for the March April issue. It is called Menu Change. It's a fun little spooky kind of ditty. Uh, and April dates coming up. Uh, I have got dates in, I believe, Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Austin, Texas, and I think that's it for April, but uh, details to come on that. The Patrick Walsh, Twitter and Instagram, Cool Kids on Hulu and Fox Friday Night. Uh, folks, we will see you next time, and we will see you in heaven. A podcast network.